0: We've been blessed here at Living Hope, and it goes beyond just these three men. There's so many leaders here, and it's just amazing, and I just pray we would continue to raise up leaders. Um, But I'm also excited, because I didn't really talk, I don't think I talked to any of them about really what they're going to share. A couple of them maybe mentioned a couple things. I don't think they've really been talking with each other about what they're going to share, which gives me an anticipation, what does God want to speak to us today, so Daryl, if you would come up, I'm going to pray. I'll pray for all of you. I'll pray with Daryl right now. And I just invite us to, to listen what God is saying to us today. So, Father, again, thank you so much that we can be here together to worship you in your presence. Thank you for each one here. Father, uh, thank you for Daryl and Matt and Bruce. And just, Father, well, been a blessing to me, a blessing to this church. I pray you would continue to bless them, encourage them. And, Father, again, just this morning that you would give them the words that you have for us, Father, but also give us the ears to hear what you're speaking to each one individually, but also as a church, and I just pray you would bless this time, and we would be encouraged and equipped
1: this morning, I pray this in the name of Jesus, amen. All right, good morning, I was talking to Matt before the service here, and he was sharing a few things, and how we just love being up here, and sharing, because we come up here and our minds go blank, we've got our notes and everything we wanted to say, we didn't say. And um, so you can pray for us, that we have peace. I think Todd's children's message was probably for us, that we'd be bold and faithful. Um, and so uh, if you want to follow along, oh, I'm going to be in Daniel chapter 3. Very, very familiar story about uh, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and the fire of Um furnace. And over the last couple of years... Um, What I I grew up at, what I would call as a generational believer, grew up in the church and with mom and dad, a good Christian home. And sometimes as I would read scripture or go through devotions or that type of thing, you just, you've heard it before. And you don't ever take a step back to look at it objectively again for the first time. And so well, I just went through this. We went through this for our devotions, Chapter 3, and it kind of struck me a little bit. Um, so we're, so if you can, if you've known the story, just look at it differently or look at it clearly again about what took place here. And like the fact that this is a historical story, this did take place. It is documented. So um, and it's just about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego taking a stand for what they believed in. So, verses 1 through 3, I'll read that. I'll go through it verse by verse here, sort of. But uh, King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold 90 feet high, 9 feet wide, and set it on the plain of Dur in the province of Babylon. He then summoned the sap perfects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image that he had set up. So the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, and all the other provincial officials assembled for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and they stood before it. An image nine feet tall, I'm sorry, 90 feet tall, nine foot wide of gold. It's pretty extreme. And you wonder why, why Nebuchadnezzar did that. And I, as I look at this, I try to apply it to my life. Like, who am I? How do I view myself in relation to God? And King, I, think, feel, I feel King Nebuchadnezzar is making a statement here. He goes, I am God. There's a statue of himself. And if you go back to chapter 2, the chapter before, it's like one of the, the story of Nebuchadnezzar having his dream, it troubled him. So he called all the the wise men in and whatnot. He said, I have a dream. I'm troubled. Tell me what my dream is and tell me the meaning, which seems backwards. Usually you say, hey, I'm going to tell you my dream. I'll tell you the meaning. But he didn't do that. He goes, tell me the dream. And, of course, if you look back at the story in Chapter 2, the wise men couldn't do that. King Nebuchadnezzar was going to put them all to death. And then they went to grab Daniel, and Daniel's like, give me some time. So they gave him some time. And in that, that statue, in his dream, King Nebuchadnezzar was the head of gold. And then all the other kingdoms were different kinds of metals or clay and stuff like that. And so it was a dream of predicting the future, so to speak. But in, in, even at the end of that chapter, you see that Nebuchadnezzar was, like, impressed that the God of Daniel was able to do that. He was able to interpret that dream, able to give him the meaning of it. But then next in chapter 3, it's like almost time went by, and he forgot about that. And I view this as like that, it wasn't just a head of gold this time, in the image of Nebuchadnezzar, it was the whole thing was gold. And I just think it was a very, very bold statement. And um, again, um, as we see through the kingdoms, of this world, and, gov- and things will come and go, but God's kingdom will always stay. It's it's forever. Um, verses 4 through 6. Then the herald loudly proclaimed that this is what you are commanded to do. O peoples, nations, and men of every language, as soon as you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, pipes, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. The test has begun. Um, and as I apply that to my life and the world we live in, if you want to say it's the society we live in, or wherever we're at, how are we getting pulled away? Um, do we fall in essence and worship other things? than God the Father? Do we get sidetracked? Where do we spend our time? Where do we focus on? I can very easily spend more time doing other things at night, in the evening, whether it be on social media or watching YouTube or different things I'm interested in than actually spending time in God's word. And I think that's one of the tests that we have is like how important is our relationship or God to us? And if I look at myself, it's like, man, where, where's my time being spent? Um, and what do we follow? What do we imitate? Where are we getting our cues from? And um, we talked about this a little bit at youth Bible study, of like what would it look like if everything we did, or every action we did, or every you know, we had said, you know, how would Jesus respond in this situation? What would Jesus do? And I think we all agree that that would absolutely turn our world upside down. Um, And I think sometimes I've done it, but a lot of times I will compare myself to those around me, whether it be out in the world or even right here in church. It's like, well, they're doing it that way, so that means I'm okay. Am I willing to stand and follow the Holy Spirit's guiding and Jesus Christ in Scripture for what I read for what it means to me, not by what everybody else is doing? Am I willing to walk that um, road on my own? And um, so, yeah, you can even, I can even feel that pure pressure inside the church, per se. Um, uh, verses 7 through 15. Therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, and all kinds of music, all the peoples, nations, and, every, and men of every language fell down and worshipped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. At this time, some of the astrologers came forward and, den- and denounced the Jews, they said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You must—you have issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of all the instruments must fall down and worship the image of gold, and that whoever does not will be thrown into the blazing furnace. There are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, O king. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up." fears of the rage Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego so these three men were brought before the king and Nebuchadnezzar said to them is it true Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego that you have that you did not serve my gods or worship the image of gold i have set up now when you hear the sound of the horn and all the instruments if you are ready to fall down and worship the image i made very good but if not if you do not worship it you will be thrown into the blazing furnace then what God will be able to save you? The boys took a stand. Their convictions hit the road. Um, and this, this stand didn't just start now. If you go back to chapter 1, they were captives, brought back from Israel to the captivity but they made a point in chapter 1 to stand. Um, I'm going to flip back there real quick. Verses, a couple, just a couple verses there in chapter 1. If you're not familiar with the story, go home and read it. But um, they were supposed to be trained by all the officials in Babylon. And so verse 11 Daniel, Daniel then said to the guard, whom the offic- chief official had appointed to them, over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, which were their their Jewish names. They got names got changed as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego by Babylon. Please test your servants for ten days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young man who ate the royal food. Sorry, Todd, no steak there. Out of luck. And they came out shining. They were found 10 times better than all the rest of them around there. Verses 18 through 20. Yeah, that's, yeah. Just I kind of went ahead there. But yeah, they went to the test, they passed, and they looked 10 times better. So their conviction of standing for Christ started way back then. It wasn't just a one-time stand. Um, and then verse 16 through 18, of back to chapter 3. And this is where faith and belief start. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego replied to the king. Now listen to this. O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it. And he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. It doesn't matter what happens. We're not going to serve your God. And they knew that God was able, but even if he didn't save them, they still knew that he was God. So, what's the difference between faith and belief? Is there a difference? Belief says that he is able. He is God. I am a child of his. I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. So he must get me out of this situation. Faith is believing that he is able, trusting he is faithful, whether or not it's what I want him to do or not. Faith doesn't band from God; it trusts God. And I kind of feel demanding is asking for God's power for my, asking for God's power for my plan, and God's providence for my purpose. And the, some of that stuff has come very, very clear to me. Um, being, if I can share personally, being called here to Living Hope Ministries, or what was Pine Grove, before it came over here to Watson. We left the church we're at over in Nomburg, at Nomburg Church, where we grew up all my life. And I wondered, like, what happens if I make this step and it wasn't what I was supposed to do? What happens if it falls flat on its face? And it was a a struggle for me, but all of a sudden I realized to a certain degree in walking through that is like, I need to be faithful, no matter what the outcome, because he is God. It's not me trying to justify or say, hey, is this going to be a success or not? That's in God's hands. Um, Verses 19 through 27. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. His attitude towards them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw him into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement. He asked his advisors, Were there not three men that we tied up and threw in the fire. They replied, certainly, O king. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound, unharmed, and the fourth looks like the son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. The satraps, prefects, governors, royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their head singed. Their robes were not scorched. There was no smell of fire in them. God didn't take them out of the fire, but he showed up to walk through it with them. And Todd talked last Sunday about service and walking forward and doing things and being stretched. And he, I think, he made the thing. He, God doesn't. I like think I said that he doesn't equip the called, or he doesn't call the equip. He equips the called. And those are, they're scary things to do things that we're not used to. But when the Lord calls you; He will walk with you through those times. If you take a stand for Christ, He will be there with you. Um. And I think there's a sense of freedom that comes with that, knowing he's there with you. And when they came out, they were no longer bound by fear, or if you want to equate it to the ropes that they were tied by, they were gone, but they still stood, and Christ was there for them. So, thank you. Well, good morning, again. Um,
2: For my message, we're going to go back in time a little bit farther. Um, I'd like to take you to Exodus 13. If you want to turn there, you may um When this idea of us leadership team getting up here was presented, it was a couple weeks ago, it was before the um, before the first of the year and and then um, it got postponed for a week. so I I didn't really change what I wanted to speak on. I think it's the same idea, but this is still the first Sunday of 2024. And so I think what I had thought about preaching on or, or speaking on, I guess it's not a sermon, but um, I think it will still fit very well today, and it's what I feel I need to say, I guess, up here. Um, so in, uh, for introduction, this is um, the children of Israel had just went through the plagues while they're in Egypt. They're in 430 years of captivity, slaves to Pharaoh and the Egyptians. Um, and the last plague being the Passover, um, they were instructed to put the lamb's blood on their doorposts. And the angel of death would pass over. So a pretty scary time. I'm sure they, um, every firstborn male that this did not take place, um, obviously was killed. Um, their life was taken from them. Um, I'm sure it was a very t- scary time for them. So Pharaoh's response was, get out, leave, um, do what you got to do, but we don't want you here no more. We're sick of the plagues. We're sick of God's judgment on us. Um, so they were in a hurry. They picked up, they left, they got out of Egypt, and they're coming to the Red Sea. And with all the plagues and all the problems that had just happened, um, the Israelites were not immune to that. They went through it just like the Egyptians went through it. Um, so they're, they're not looking to take a vacation. They're not looking to, you know, relax on the beach. Their, their one motive is to get out of here. Um, so they didn't wait around. They, they were, they're moving fast. Um, they traveled at night. They traveled during the day. Any time that they could, they were moving. Um, so that leads me to verses 20 and 22, verses 20 through 22. It's, um, and it says, After leaving Succoth, they camped at Etham at the edge of the desert. By day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of a cloud to guide them on their way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. Okay. So I guess what I was thinking about is we go forward in 2024 as individuals, as a church, Where is God taking us? Um, And and it could look very different. It may look similar, but um, there's a hundred some people that come here and faithfully come here. Um, It's going to look different individually, but as a whole, as a church, I hope that we can become focused as to what God has for us. Um, The key that I took out of these verses that God was always with the Israelites he never left them, whether it was day, whether it was night, it didn't matter. The pillar of fire, the pillar of cloud, he, he himself was in that, and he was leading them. Um, they didn't have, I, I guess I shouldn't say they didn't have a clue, but they probably were not told specifically where they're going. When we go somewhere today, we put in a destination in our GPS, and boom, takes us there. It wasn't like that. He maybe had mentioned Canaan. He had maybe mentioned the promised land, um, the land of promise. It's called multiple of things. But basically, he just said, Follow me. I will take you to where I need you to go. Um, and he was with them. He, had never, he never left them. Um, so today, where does that leave us or, or take us? And I guess my mind went to we don't have necessarily a cloud or a pillar of fire, but we have the Bible. And we have a Holy Spirit which can live in us. Which is, I shouldn't say far more important, but it makes it more personal. God came to earth as a baby, died on the cross for each and every one of us individually. And so that Holy Spirit can live inside of us. Um, Which I guess the second part of what I want to talk about is trust. And that's something that I feel like I lack a lot of is trust. Um, To trust God. Um, Sometimes I feel like, we just do things, or especially me, you just do things because that's what's expected of you, or, you know, people ask you, so rather than say, no, we just, we just do it. And, and I need to start trusting, and, and maybe there's some of you that are there with me, too, but um, we just need to trust that God is there with us. He is there with me. Um, one verse that I really uh, I read quite often, and it's found in Jeremiah 29. It's actually Jeremiah 29:11. It says, I know the plans that I have for you. So even though things are asked of me, God has a purpose for each and every one of you is when he asks you to do something. And um, if we seek his wisdom and his guidance, he will be with us. He will go with us and help us do what we're called to do. Um, and trust is not always easy. Um, we found that out, or I found that out, um, and something happened in the barn just the other night that it's kind of a story, but I want to talk to you about it and tell you about it, that it, it kind of um, goes along with what I'm saying. So um, we've done it at Beaver Camp, but the kids were standing around, and my wife got behind, I think it was Eve first, and she said, lean back and let yourself fall, and I'll catch you. Well, you can about imagine how that went the first time. So she starts leaning back. was behind her, um, ready to catch her. I'm not sure she had her eyes open, but it doesn't matter because I think the outcome would have been the same. She got to a point where her body told her that she was going to fall. So the first time, what do you think happened? She put her foot back in her arms, and it was a mess. But Rachel was there. We can see that, but Eve couldn't see that. So she did not trust that Rachel was there. So she tried to do things on her own, and the outcome was not what was desired, what was asked of her. Um, it, it took her a few times, but eventually she did. She stood her ground, kept her feet there, and my wife caught her. And how many times do we do the same thing? God asks us to do something, but we think on our own power that we know better or, or we can stop this or, or whatever the situation, and we start putting our feet back. Um, it's, it's not going to work. God is there. Um, we're promised that he holds us in his hand, and I guess that story maybe literally comes to fruition when you think about it. He's there behind us. He will catch us. He will hold us, and he will help us do what he's called us to do. Um, so I guess, I mean, mine's a lot shorter than Daryl's, but I guess even as a church, God is behind us. If we seek his face, um, there's nothing that we can't do, whether it's individually, whether it's here as the church, whether it's in Watson, the people that we come in contact with. Um, we talked earlier about, you know, with today's phones and Flocknil and stuff, we we can talk to people at a drop of a hat that aren't even on the same continent. Um, and he will guide and direct us. We just, me me above all, we need to have faith that, um, we need to be faithful for what he's calling us to do in 2024. And he, he does immeasurably more than what we can even ask or think. Um, it's just, for me especially, to put my faith in him, and he will deliver. So, thank you.
3: Well, good morning. It is good to be here this morning. Um, I have to say that it is absolute privilege to be on this leadership team. Um, I'm gonna get a little emotional here. I'm old enough to be their father, all three of them, but yet, I look at them as my sons. Uh, Their dedication to this church, their dedication to God, this community has just inspired me. I don't have any sons of my own, but if I did, I'd want them to be like all three of them. Well, most of the time, not all the time, I guess, but most of the time I'd want them to be to be my sons. <laughs> I'm not sure. But anyways, it is just an honor to be here, and I'm thankful that they uh, sometimes put up with me because as you get older, you get um, a little more crusty, a little more set in your ways, but they've showed me a lot of grace, and I've learned a lot from them. They always say you can't teach a, uh, an old dog new tricks. Well, they've taught me quite a few. Uh, and I'm just pleased with both of, all three of them. So all right, we're into another year already. One week has gone by. Um, as you look forward to the rest of the year, what do you think most about? When you're by yourself in your thoughts, what do you think most about? Do you think about um, what lies ahead, the fears? Do you have fear? Do you think or you're anxious of what's going to happen this year? Are you concerned about all the things the world tells us? Or are you looking for opportunities Are you looking forward to what opportunities lie ahead? And the reality is that we're all going to face challenges this year. Every one of us will face challenges. Every one of us will face opportunities. And some of this this morning that I share comes from Tim Hillegas in a conversation we had a few years ago about challenges and opportunities. And Tim really opened my eyes to the fact about all challenges can lead to opportunities. And I was really thankful for that. But I think most of this will agree that our year will turn out a lot how our attitude is. Our attitude has a lot to do with how our life goes. Whether it turns out good or bad, whether in the midst of challenges, whether in the midst of opportunities, it's our attitude that matters. So, what, And we're all gonna face challenges. And I wrote down a few of the challenges we may face this year. Some of them are inflation, taxes, health concerns. Career decisions, government, growing older, school, relationships, death, and wars. That's just to mention a few. And we can get all caught up about all the challenges we may have, but if you look in John 16, 33, Jesus says, In this world you will have trouble, but fear not, I have overcome the world. So if we put our trust in Jesus, we don't have to worry or be in fear of what the challenges we're going to have. Jesus will be with us. If you look again in uh, Matthew 28, Jesus says, Surely I am with you to the very end of the age. So we can get anxious and we can get all bent out of shape, we can get depressed, we can, we can get angry, we can all kinds of different negative emotions about what challenges or what situations lie ahead of the year. Or we can look at our challenges as an opportunity to grow, to grow closer to Jesus. To allow God to teach us where we want to go. Matt just talked about being led by God. We can learn perseverance. Trust. Matt just talked about trust. We can take those challenges and we can turn them into opportunities to grow closer to God every day. If we want to. Our attitude is what matters. I know for myself, getting older can't physically do what I used to do is a big challenge. In fact, I told my wife, I think it was a week or two ago, I think I'm going to have to look for some other opportunities, because I can't do what I used to do, but yet I'm still bullheaded enough I'm not gonna give up yet. Um, But yeah, so let's in 2024, I encourage all of you to look at what your life is and to take advantages of the opportunities and also the challenges in the midst of those challenges, look for opportunities. Now, as I was preparing this, I was thinking about we all make New Year's resolutions, or most of us do. I guess I'll ask, raise your hand if you made a New Year's resolution. One, two, not very many. There's one back there. So we got three, four, and Rusty, I guess, don't want to admit it. Um, but anyways, I was, I was doing some research, and 25 percent of the New Year's resolutions is done the first week. And only nine percent of Americans keep their resolutions through the whole year. That's a very small percentage. And if you look at I, look, I researched some of the top uh, resolutions um, in America is lose weight eat healthier, reduce stress, spend less, save more, exercise more, and get more rest. And if you look at these resolutions, every one of them is to help improve our quality of life. In some way, they help improve our quality of life. But I don't want to dwell on resolutions. I really don't like the word. I've gotten to like the word opportunities. So I came up this morning with four ideas that I want you to consider for 2024 uh, opportunities to improve your life. And the first one is we have an opportunity to grow in our relationship with Jesus. We have an opportunity to read the Bible, to pray more, to get plugged into a church if you're not plugged in, to accept Jesus if you haven't accepted Jesus as your Savior, to uh, form up a relationship in a small group or one-on-one. The reality is we all have 24 hours a day Seven days a week, 365 days. It's our choice of how we spend it. And I was just looking. My new phone I got every week, it gives me a weekly report. So I looked this morning here right during church, and I spent 43 minutes playing solitaire this week. I mean, that might sound funny, but if you do an inventory of how you spend your time. It doesn't take long to add up on social media. Sean and I was talking this morning. We spend time on social media or watching TV or sports or whatever, or hunting. I guess I'll have to confess to that, seven, eight hours a day. But do an inventory of your own life. How much time? We have the opportunity to spend time with Jesus every day, to read the Bible. Um, We can make the time if we want to. The choice is ours. The second one I had is our opportunity to be an example of faith. Faith. To our friends, our family, our co-workers, our schoolmates, our neighbors, or anyone we come into contact with, we have an opportunity to be a person of faith. And if you look in Hebrews 11, it's called the faith chapter, and it goes on and it says, by faith Abel, by faith Noah, by faith Abraham, by faith Moses, it lists all these people who's credited for their faith. And I got thinking about this, what if we kept that going? In chapter 11, what if this year you kept that going and it said by faith Troy By faith Jacob by faith Christy We have an opportunity to make a difference in someone's lives to lead them to Jesus to show them to Jesus to be there To listen if they got something going on in their lives that is not pleasant a sickness a death We have a choice and I encourage you don't waste that opportunity Because we only have one life to live The third one I came up with is that we have the opportunity to share the gospel. In 1 Peter 3, it says, But in your hearts set Christ apart as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks and to give the reason the hope you have. But do it with gentleness and respect. So wherever we go, whatever we do, whatever challenges we face, we have the opportunity to share the gospel. Of Jesus Christ and what it means to you. And I didn't ask him this morning, but I'm pretty sure he doesn't care. And I thought about this and I actually just wrote this down. As I thought about Keith, for the last few years, most of us know that Keith has had multiple health challenges. He's been in and out of different hospitals. But every time Keith came back home, he had a story to tell, or Juanita had a story to tell, how Keith made a difference in another patient's life the staff at a hospital or whatever, he used that challenge that he had of his faith to witness to other people. And we all have that same opportunity. Regardless of what's going on, we have that same opportunity. And as I thought about Keith, what better witness than someone that's already been through it or is going through it or has done it? And I just see Michelle shake her head. I mean, she's going through cancer. She has an opportunity to make a difference in someone's life. Someone, if someone passes away, if you lose a spouse or a loved one, you have a chance to make a difference in someone's life. You can tell them about Jesus. And the fourth one I had is, we all have an opportunity to serve. Daryl and Matt kind of touched onto that. 1 Peter 4.10 says, each one of you should use whatever gift he has received to serve others faithfully, administering the grace in various forms. If you look at the word serve or serving, it's a verb. It's not a noun. It requires action. You can't serve by sitting still. Listen to what James says, in the second chapter of James. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? See, if brother or sister is without clothes and daily food, if one of you says to them, go in peace, keep well, warm... Warm and well fed, but does nothing for their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, I have faith, you have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. Now, what James is getting at here is works don't save you. I want you to understand that. We're not saved by works, we're saved by grace. But what James is saying is, if you have a true, genuine faith in Jesus Christ, you will lead to action. You cannot help but be active. You want to serve. You desire to serve. You desire to please God. You can't just sit around. And I realized as I was writing this, though, so as we as individuals, as a church, or whatever, we can talk a lot about our faith. We can use a lot of fancy church words. I could stay up here this morning and tell you a lot of words that you wouldn't probably understand, and neither do I. We could study a lot. We can tell other people how much we know about the Bible. We can make a lot of noise, but we really don't do anything. We're just getting together. Remember the old saying, action speaks louder than words. That's true in most cases. But then I thought of a country song because I thought of Daryl because he likes country music and I really don't and I don't even know why this, must have been the spirit led me to this song. It's years, I don't know how old it is. It says, thunder's just a noise, boys, but lightning does the work. And when you think about that for a minute, think about thunder. Scary, loud, rumbles, but it's not going to hurt you. really doesn't do anything, just makes a lot of noise. But lightning, on the other hand, that gets the work done, doesn't it? That makes a difference. So when you think about it, what would you rather be? Would you rather be thunder or lightning? You have the choice. I know for myself personally, I want to be lightning yet. I still want to make a difference in people's lives. We need to do the work of serving. And I shared with Todd this morning, as our church grows and we want to expand, we need people to serve, people that are willing to serve. The old rule of thumb is 20% of the congregation can't serve the way they should. It takes everyone. Everyone using their gifts, whatever it is. And it is scary. Like like Matt said, you have to trust that the Holy Spirit will provide you what you needed. So I encourage you all to consider how you can do about serving. Because we are getting bigger. And, And praise God, I'm thankful for that. Actually, my wife this week was going through The birthday cards, and she said she has nearly 170 people now that she sends birthday cards to. So there's 170 people that attend here regularly. That's a lot of numbers compared to what it was two years ago. So I encourage you to think about what you can do to serve. Talk to one of us in leadership. Talk to someone you trust. Start something on your own. Maybe someone if taps you on the shoulder, don't be afraid. Trust that God will equip you for what you need to serve. So in closing, I just want to add that life is full of challenges, but life is also full of opportunities. So I encourage you this year to face your challenges as opportunities to grow in Jesus, to be an example of faith, to deepen your relationship with Jesus, to spread the gospel, and serve Jesus most diligently. I'll close with this passage from Ephesians 5. It says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days
0: are evil. Thank you, Daryl and Matt and Bruce, and it is a, again, I guess that word, that couple words was trust, faith, action, and I do feel like that is something that God is calling us to, and I think we could say that every year, but to really step up and what is God calling you to? We talked last week, we all have a call to salvation, we all have a call to live a holy life and we're all called to serve and they kind of go together and we really need to focus in and that call to a holy life is a call of action, it's a call of trust, it's a call of obedience and doing and um, I think from here next week, God willing, we are going to, I think we want to look at Hebrews 11, Bruce alluded to it, the faith chapter, but probably next week we're going to look at Hebrews 1 through 10 first to get the kind of setting of why is this placed here. Um, the idea that faith without works is dead, that there's action required, I, I just hope each one of us will pray, will chew on that, what does it look like all week long, um, what is God calling us to, and I I, liked, I haven't heard that country song, but... I like the idea of being lightning and not just thunder and making a lot of noise. Um, I also noticed that when Bruce was talking about us as his sons, and he didn't always, he was looking at Daryl. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Actually, let's sing one more song. Um, I just, again, I want to thank the leadership team and and again, I just ask that you would continue to think about what they have shared today because again, I don't, coincidence and all of that and I enjoy seeing Daryl nervous because there's not a lot of things he gets nervous at or doesn't like to, so, and even Matt like, they're guys that get stuff done and all of that so I, I get a little bit of joy even about them but at the same time in that, God was speaking through them whether or not they're nervous or this or that, and, and Bruce has had more experience speaking. But again, I just encourage us, and again, not, we don't want to go to social media, but you can revisit this and listen again. What is God saying to us as a church? What is he calling us to? And um, I just want to pray for us, and I do pray this would be a year of action, a year of lightning, and even more so than what we've been doing, that we would step in and more people would serve um, all week long. So let's stand. And Father, again, I just thank you that you love us. I thank you that you are faithful, that you are good to us. I thank you that we can come together here and and worship you. I thank you for this body of believers, and I just ask that you would continue to pour your grace, pour your love in us, that we would be conduits into this community, Father. And we wouldn't just be a group of people that makes a lot of noise, but we would be lightning, Father. We would Just do serve people, love people. There would be action because we trust you. We'd be willing to fall back even when we can't see what we're falling into just because you told us to. So I just pray, again, as we even talked about the children, that we would be courageous, we would be bold. Father, for your glory, for your purposes, I just pray you would bless each one here today. Amen.